You're listening to a sermon from Midtown Presbyterian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about Midtown and its ministry, please visit us at midtownpres.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. How many people in this place have seen the movie Elf? Most of you, oh, I'm so sorry for those of you that did not raise your hand. (laughs) When I, uh, every time this time of year, I'm always, I always think of Elf. And a couple of scenes came to my mind this week multiple times as I was thinking about joy. One is, there's a scene when Buddy the Elf arrives in New York City, he wants to go into a department store, and he enters through this revolving door. He's never been in one before. And he goes round and round and round and round and round and round. It's just sheer joy until he throws up afterwards. Or the scene when he comes to his dad and he says, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Just such joy. I was thinking of um, many years ago now, Tom and I went to the Grand Canyon And we wanted to see the sunrise over the Grand Canyon. We were with our son, and it was on his bucket list. And so we got up really early. We're at Mathers Point. There's several other families there when we're there. It's pitch dark. We're waiting, we're waiting. And as the sun comes up over the the top of the rocks, and the canyon begins to light up, and you can can see what's there, there's this little four- or five-year-old girl right there with us. And she starts screaming, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Just sheer joy at what God was doing at that moment in raising the sun. We're talking about joy this morning. We're talking about actually defiant joy. We've been in this series on defiance, and today it's defiant joy. I'm going to read from Isaiah, the 35th chapter, and um, I invite you to follow along with me. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer, And the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. The waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And burning sand shall become a pool. And the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there. And it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. 
They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return. Come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Oh, Lord, this word is incredible. I pray, Lord, that you would help us hear what it is that your spirit is trying to say to us through it. And that we would receive it deep into our bodies with joy. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable to you. You are my rock and my redeemer. Amen. We've been looking at different things places in Isaiah for the last couple of weeks. And um, it's interesting, the book of Isaiah is written over a, a, quite a length of, of years. And the first chapters, this humongous nature, a nation called Assyria was in the power, of, was the world power at the time. But Isaiah chapter 35 that I just read, actually, Assyria has been conquered by Babylon, and Babylon has conquered Judah, our ancestors. Part of their strategy when they conquered people was to capture them and relocate them, just rip them from the land that they'd already destroyed, rip them from everything that they had known, and take them and scatter them around various places in the Babylonian Empire. So that's the scene when we get to Isaiah 35. Actually, most of the chapters that come before this are pretty depressing when you read them. And then, like out of the blue, we get this incredible chapter where everything is bursting with joy. I want to talk about the, the, lo the longing that we have for joy. I want to talk about the fact that it's really true that joy breaks through. And I want to talk about the homecoming that we have to look forward to in which there is everlasting joy. The longing for joy. I don't know if you know this, but Taylor Swift was just named by Time Magazine as the person of the year. Yeah. She's your woman, I know. I know. I read the article. It's amazing. This article says, she has become the main character of the world. The main character of the world. Goes on to say, think about this. If you're skeptical, consider this. How many conversations did you have about Taylor Swift this year? How many times did you see a photo of her? photo of her while scrolling on your phone. 
Were you one of the people who made a pilgrimage to a city where she played? Did you buy a ticket to her concert film? Or better yet, did you go to Swift City? You know where that was, Glendale, Arizona, <laughs> when she played here. The people who broke Ticketmasters were longing for an experience of a lifetime, right? One that promised great joy. And I'm not going to make a big distinction. I used to make a big distinction between happiness and joy. I'm not going to do that today because I don't think the scripture makes as stark a, dis a distinction as I used to. I have not been to a Taylor Swift concert, but I have been to concerts. And I imagine that for the people that were there, as they sang along with her and danced with her, there was great joy every time that happened. Now, you have to wake up the next morning and you're not there. But in the moment, it's very joyful. It, it satisfies a longing that we have, things like that. Now, maybe concerts aren't your thing. Maybe Taylor Swift's not your thing. But there are places or people with whom you're, you have times with that you experience joy. Um, maybe it's a sport, sporting event. I'm, I'm kind of a fair weather sporting fan, but, <laughs> but if the Diamondbacks or the Suns or, you know, any, or the Cardinals, anybody makes it to the playoffs or the finals, or I'm in and I'm watching. And I, I have learned something about myself. I find great joy in winning. Amen. <laughs> I do. Even if I'm not playing, I am a joyful person when we win. <laughs> My sister was talking, she called me yesterday, she's on her way to Tucson, and I guess the U of A is just doing super well right now. And she said, she said, in this world where there is so much darkness and there's, uh, it's everywhere, she said, it's been so fun to be in Tucson and to have this to look forward to, and to talk about. There are glimpses that we have of joy. We, we grab for things like that. Um, in John 17, Jesus says, he prays, actually, this is, it's a long prayer, John 17 is a long prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples. And he prays that my disciples might have my joy complete in themselves that God longs for that for us. Frederick Buechner said, joy is home. God created us in joy, created us for joy. And in the long run, not all the darkness there is in the world and in ourselves can separate us from that joy because whatever else, it means to say God created us in his image and it means to say that God created, uh, that we, even when we, uh, sorry, let, let me find my place here. God created it, it, us in his image, and I think it means that even when we cannot believe in him, even when we feel most spiritually bankrupt, deserted by him, 
His mark is deep within us. We have God's joy in our blood. Think about the creation narrative. On day one, God created. On day two, God created. On day, day three, created another thing. On day four, and every day, he looked at it and he said, it's good. And on the seventh day, God rested. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that God enjoyed, delighted in that which he created. The great reformer Martin Luther described the gospel is nothing less than laughter and joy. He points out how in the Psalms the Lord rejoices in the things that he has made and the things that he's done. In Psalm 149, it says the Lord takes pleasure in his people. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. In 2 Samuel, David is um, having this song of thanksgiving, and he says, the Lord delivered me because he delighted in me. And that comes up again in the Psalms. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. I want, just leave that screen up for a minute. I want you to let those words kind of wash over you again. God wants us to know joy. The joy that he has in you and me and us together. He wants us to know the joy of his presence. We sang just a little bit earlier about the joy of our salvation. That's why we long for joy when it seems to be missing. It's in us to want it, to long for it. Okay, you can put that away now. N.T. Wright said, we long for joy, but so often we settle for pleasure. It's the joy of the Lord that we long for. The reason I think that being at a, at a concert or a sporting event or something like that brings joy is because it's one of the gifts God gives us, right? Even if it's just for a moment, it's a taste of that for which we long for forever, for all the time. And joy breaks in. In moments like that, joy breaks in. Joy is what happens when God does something that the people have been longing for God to do for a long time. We see that again and again and again in Scripture. The people of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And when God delivers them, they, there is joy, there's singing, there's dancing, there's praising, there's, there's out, just all-out joy. When the temple is built in the Old Testament, there is great joy over that. When it was rebuilt, there was joy. When Jesus was healing people, there was joy. When Jesus was raised from the dead, there was great joy. 
when the people were delivered from exile, which is what the scripture that I just read was about, the promise is there's just going to be great joy, everlasting joy, the promise is. The entire creation rejoices in this chapter in the scriptures. All of creation, the wilderness, the dry land shall be glad, the desert rejoices and blooms. Water breaks forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert, burning sand becomes a pool, thirsty ground springs of water, the places that were only inhabitable for jackals, all of a sudden burst forth into life, and they're thriving again. All of creation, this impacts everything that God has created, this joy does. Creation sings for joy. Clint reminded me this week that this year was a, a year of super bloom in, in California, and I actually think in some places in Arizona. We got a couple of images for you to see the super bloom. What happens is the, the seeds, the flower seeds lay dormant in the dirt, and then on a year where there's this abundant rain and the conditions are right, it just bursts into this super bloom. It's such a powerful, it's praising God. It's rejoicing in the God that created it. Creation itself does that. And then in verses 3 and 4 in this text, Isaiah looks at the people, or God looks at the people, and says, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful of heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. What that's saying is, whatever it is that is robbing you of life, stealing your joy, God will take care of once and for all. They'll be gone. It'll all be gone. All of that, all of that evil, all of that that steals your joy. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He will come, and he will save you. And when he does, you and everybody that loves you will rejoice. Anytime that people have waited a long time for God to do something. And then it, he does it. There's joy. Think about a couple that has struggled with infertility for a long time and a baby is born. There is great joy. When hostages are released and brought back to their families, there is great joy. When someone gets a diagnosis, the cancer is gone. There is great joy. It happens again and again and again. Joy breaks in. It breaks through. Our ancestors would remember over and over and over again. They would write psalms and, and Thanksgiving songs, and they would recite them again and again, and they would teach them to their children. It's one way they lived in defiant joy in the midst of the brokenness. And we do that too. Even, like I said in the beginning, when the sound is muffled, 
we remember the times when we could hear more clearly, right? That's a defiant joy. That's a stance of defiant joy. The God that we knew who did that before is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he'll keep his promise. He'll do it again. Joy comes when, when um, God does something we've longed for him to do for a long time. Also, I just want to say a word about in the New Testament, Jesus is so clear that joy comes when we abide in Christ, when we stay connected to him like a vine is connected to the, or like a branch is connected to the, to the vine. Jesus says, my joy will be in you when you're connecting to me. My joy will be in you, and your joy will be complete. Being connected to him in such a way that his life is flowing through our blood, that helps be defiant in joy in times of brokenness in particular. Paul says that joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Love is one. And joy is the very second one he mentions. And then peace and patience and kindness and other things. But it, it, joy is something that the Holy Spirit has in him and then gives to us as we become more and more like Christ. Somebody, I was talking to somebody that I love dearly this week, and she, she said this. I, I'm quoting her. I'm, I'm experiencing this crazy joy even in little things. She said, there's power in grieving your grief, dealing with your own sin, doing what God is asking you to do. There's power in being actively present to God. And it's no surprise that when we live that way, we know joy. We know that in your presence, there is fullness of joy, that, that sense of, this is crazy, but I, in the middle of this, I'm feeling joy. It breaks through from time to time. It breaks through in relationship with him, in his presence, defiant joy. Um, when it breaks through, John Golden Gay uses the phrase interim fulfillment. We see interim fulfillments, that, that muffled sound. But, and then it breaks through and we can hear more clearly or we can see it more clearly. It's an interim fulfillment of that which we long for. Anytime we see God replacing desolation by fruitfulness, Golden Gay says, Fear by hope, silence by shouting, or desert by pool. When we hear, when we see believing communities finding their way back to God, back to the place of God's purpose for them, we see Isaiah's vision finding another interim fulfillment. Joy breaks through, but the homecoming of joy, that's still yet to come. And that's the promise of today's scripture. Remember the context, they're in exile. It is a dark, dark time for them. At one point, uh, the prophet uh, Jeremiah tells about them being in this horrible captivity and, and them being taunted by people. Sing us songs. Sing us the songs that you used to sing in, in Jerusalem. And they say, how can we sing the Lord's song? How is it even possible in a foreign land? I mean, it's just, they'd lost their joy. It was, it, was, it was impossible 
at that moment for them. Some of you are in danger of losing your joy, or maybe you've lost your joy. And you know exactly where these people were. You're living it. You're worried, and you have really good reason to be worried. You're grieving, and you have really good reason to be grieving. You're on an emotional roller, roller coaster. Maybe you're, um, maybe you're really struggling with depression. And that's real. And that's the truth of where you are right now. I, when I watch the, the news and I read the stories of what's happening in the Middle East, I, I, and I think of mothers of children, and I, I just, I love the word Paul uses in the New Testament where he, the, the word is groans. And he talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit groans within us with an inexpressible joy, uh, with an inexpressible sigh. That the Holy Spirit also groans. There are times that all we can do is groan and weep and know that God is there with us in the midst of that groaning. And we also know that there's another side to the groaning. There, there's something that happens after the groaning and the weeping. That our God comes and that he brings us into his presence fully. And on the other side of the groaning, there is everlasting joy. That is the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. Meantime, we get these glimpses. We get these interim fulfillments. And those are very real. Those are very real. You know, I was so tempted to turn this sermon right now and talk about, you know, steps to live in joy. You know, things you can do. And I've touched on a couple of things in this text. I do think remembering what God has done is helpful. And abiding in Christ is essential. But there's still times of groaning. And I want to be faithful to what Isaiah is saying in this text. The people are groaning. And he doesn't give them five easy steps to live in joy. That's not what he does here. What he does here is say, hang in there here with me. Keep trusting me because I'm building a highway and I'm going to bring you home and all those you love and all those that I've redeemed. Everybody's going to come home to me fully, completely. One day you'll know the peace that's been muffled and the hope that's been muffled and the joy that's been muffled, you're going to know that. And it's going to be everlasting because it won't be muffled anymore. You'll be fully, 100% restored. All of creation 
I love Will Willimon's words, deep-throated, abiding joy is a byproduct of the story of what God does. Mary broke into song. The shepherds danced back to work. Isaiah declared holiday, having witnessed the amazing, undeserved, unexpected intrusion of a loving and living God. People are joyful because God has moved, because there's a force loose in the world greater than ourselves. There's a force loose in this world that is greater than ourselves. We learn to our surprise somebody else is active in the world and our battles with emperors and our struggles with the malignancy of body and soil, soul. Christmas means it wasn't all left up to us. I know in this room, even though I don't know all of you, I know that everything is not all right. That there are at least some places where people are, where there are things that are troubling you, where there are things in your life that you're going to have to face when Christmas is over because January comes and all of the things that come are coming at you. Maybe Monday comes. Maybe they're coming after you tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that there are things in your life and in your world that if you could fix them, you would fix them and you can't. Thank God there is a force greater that's active that's greater than us in this world. That's why Isaiah and the Gospels and the songs that we're singing say, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that a Savior is born, a Savior, the one come to save you and us and all creation. A Savior is born who is Christ the Lord, and he is the one who's going to bring you home on that highway to everlasting joy.